a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 18, The Cubing. Shut up and fish! The Cubing premiering November 23rd. 2003 and i'm really excited to dig into this one because it seems to be something of a controversial episode now whenever i'm looking online at threads that are you know what's your least favorite aqua teen episode or what is your least favorite aqua teen villain i have seen the cubing alongside the wisdom cube slash dumbass ahedratron at the tops of those lists many times and and to me it's always been surprising because from my memory the episode is pretty decent but I'm excited to get in here and see, is it really that decent? Why is it on all of these least favorite lists? Let's get to the bottom of it. And speaking of get to the bottom of, I have also uncovered something of a really obscure piece of Aqua Teen trivia, I guess, that we will discuss later in the episode. Something that I couldn't really get a, a full grasp on. But if you're going to be making one of those Aqua Teen iceberg memes with like really obscure facts on it, this one is going right to the bottom of your list because... It's just very strange, and we will talk about it when we get to it in the episode. Before we get to all that, before we can talk about this episode of Aqua Teen, you know we've got some other stuff to talk about. First and foremost, our Aqua Teen news this week. Worth mentioning up front, of course, that Plantasm was announced. I put out a whole episode about it, and nothing has really changed from them. I don't feel like I've really gotten any super exciting new information so I'll leave that there. Definitely check out that episode of the podcast, though, the Plantasm Announced episode, for all the information on the upcoming Aqua Teen film. But instead of talking about the film this week, we are talking about the upcoming Baffler Meal complete box set. All of the Aqua Teen episodes coming to DVD for the first time. Of course, there are many seasons not on DVD, so a pretty big deal, as well as the 2007 film. And Dave Willis was on the podcast the other week. Of course, I mentioned that on the show, but he talked a lot about the Baffler Meal set. So I want to talk about that now. So if you didn't listen, here's some new information. If you did listen to that podcast episode, I'll be added on some of my thoughts. So the first thing I want to discuss that Dave Willis mentioned was that he is not a fan of the artwork on this box set. Of course, you have the Aqua Teens as just their normal food counterparts uh, in, a, in a somewhat realistic style. And they have Meat Wad on a bun trying to push the bun away. And Dave Willis didn't like that because in the Baffler Meal episode of Space Ghost, which was written from the script that the Aqua Teens were first conceived in, of course, friendly reminder that this was not the first appearance of the Aqua Teens because that episode wasn't made until after Aqua Teen was already on the air. But but I digress. Besides all that, Meatwad says in that script, in that episode, the bun is in your mind. Dave Willis didn't like them putting Meatwad on a bun. And I think that really goes to show and exemplifies the next thing we're going to talk about here is that the creators of the show aren't really consulted about this kind of stuff. And with that in mind, Dave Willis basically says he doesn't know a lot of what's going to be on the DVD set. 
And he mentions that something that they wanted to do was go back and finish the episode Boston. That would be the first episode, or at least the planned first episode of the fifth season after the 2007 film came out and there was the whole Boston Moon and Night bomb panic scare thing. Of course, uh, if you're on the Patreon, you can find a deep dive into all that history. But Matt and Dave wanted to make this episode called Boston kind of about that. And we have the rough animatic to it online but that episode was never made. And Dave said that what they wanted to do was go back and actually make that episode for this box set, but he doesn't think it's going to happen. And just from the way he talks about it, he hasn't had much input on this set at all. So that makes me wonder, is there even going to be any special features for the additional seasons coming to DVD or rather to physical media for the first time? I don't know. The special features we have might just be what's already out. It's possible no new special features, but of course... As more information comes out, I will let you know on that. So that's all we're going to touch on this week for our Aqua Teen news. For the podcast news, I hope that you enjoyed last week's episode, the Booyah 90s Ronnie podcast. Just a fun little story that, you know, I really wanted to tell, and I'm really glad that I got to tell it on the Booyah 90s Now podcast because I didn't know how I would fit it in here. And I have loved seeing your reactions to it. Those of you who listened, I, I love seeing your thoughts on that. So, so thank you all so much for checking that out. And before we head on over to our pop culture segment for the episode, Cactus left us a voice message. Let's give it a listen. This is uh, Cactus. I guess I'm, I'll be going by. Uh, I just wanted to say I just recently started listening to your podcast. I'm listening from the beginning onwards. So if you play this on the most recent show, it's going to be a while till I hear it, because right now I'm on Revenge of the Moon Nights. But I just want to say that you are doing absolutely amazing work with this podcast. Um, it's I, I know you know you keep saying that you love when people listen to it at work. Um, I work three different part-time jobs just because I don't want to spend all my time in the same place. So uh, at two out of three of my jobs, I'm able to listen to podcasts, and at two out of three of them, I'm listening to yours. So... Thanks for providing me with uh, some great uh, ear candy while I'm at work. You absolutely amazing job. I love it. Continue doing what you do. Thank you. Cactus, thank you so much for this very, very nice voice message. Three part-time jobs, you know, that sounds like not a bad idea. That way you get a little variety. You know, if you if you lose one of the jobs, hey, it's only it's only one of your jobs. You got other ones to fall back on. Not a bad idea. The variety sounds pretty nice and just really appreciate all the very, very kind things you had to say. And this reminds me of how the other week I was bombarded almost by the wonderful listeners over on the Discord with some very, very nice messages. And it just, again, means a lot. I've, I've, said, it, I've said it a bunch of times, but I really want everybody to know that it means a lot that you take the time to reach out because I know you're listening to podcasts, you're doing stuff, you're busy. So to take that extra time, not only to listen to me babble on about Aquatine for up to almost two hours sometimes, but to then go and, and send me a little message or something. Very nice. I appreciate all of you, and I couldn't have picked a better show with a better community to deep dive into. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Cactus, for your voice message. Cactus sent us another one. I'll wait till next week to play it. Until then, if you want to send in your own voice message, either your thoughts on the podcast or your Aquatine origin story, your favorite Aquatine episodes, uh, a comment on a specific Aquatine episode, whatever you got, I'd love to hear it. Head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden to send that my way or check the link in the show notes. Hey, let's see what's going on the week that the cubing premiered. 
Appalling Dr. Seuss's widow all the way to the top of the box office. This week, we have The Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers coming in hot with a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4 out of 10 on IMDb. This is not a good movie, folks. I've never seen it, but I definitely know its reputation as not being that great. And to add on to what I said about Appalling Dr. Seuss's widow, the producers on this film actually planned to make a sequel to this film based on the book sequel to Cat in the Hat called The Cat in the Hat Comes Back. But as I said, upon seeing this film, Dr. Seuss's widow was so appalled, she said, all right, I'm never signing off ever again on any more live action remakes of my husband's work. So this is where it starts and this is where it ends in terms of Dr. Seuss live action films. And yeah, just just a bad movie, bad ratings, no point to really see it. And from what I'm seeing on the IMDb trivia, Mike Myers, who, who starred as Cat in the Hat, was just an absolute nightmare to work with. He would only talk to the director or his handlers on set. He had an assistant who just fed him chocolate. And the film ended up having long and pointless additional takes of scenes because Myers overruled the director on whether they were good enough or not. So just to set the stage here, seems like a real shit-ass time, and it yielded a real shit-ass movie. Despite all that, though, don't feel too bad for Cat in the Hat. Again, it is the top of the box office this week, bringing in over $38 million this week alone. So it's not completely a bad story, I guess. I know you're dying to know, and I'm dying to tell you, that the Cat in the Hat shares no cast or crew with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Bummer. Somewhat related to film and television this week, we also have Arnold Schwarzenegger being sworn in as the governor of California on November 17th. So earlier this week, Arnie is sworn in. Was he a good governor? I don't know, but I like the way he talks. I remember around this time, I pronounced his name Schwarzenegger because I was like nine. So uh, there's a little bit of that for you. Moving on from this, we've got some music to discuss. Let's take a listen to our top album, this week. No Cuervo gold margaritas. Just ain't enough good burning tequila sheets. Something with a little more rage and a little more pain. She's my little whiskey girl. She's my little whiskey girl. Yeehaw, giddy up. That is honky tonk man, Toby Keith, coming in with his new album. Shocking y'all, selling over 585,000 copies this week. That is an insane number. Toby Keith, obviously a country star, and this seems to be his first album really ending his legendary run as like a big superstar in the country world. Of course he still is, but this album starts the trend of all of his albums not being received as well as they were in his heyday. So kind of sad, but I mean, he sold over half a million copies this week. This dude is not hurting whatsoever. I think my favorite country music song around this time would be by Toby Keith, his song Dreamwalking that came out in 1997. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. For example, I talked with MC Chris about how my dad used to be in a country music cover band when I was growing up around this time that these episodes were coming out. So I have lots of memories of a lot of these songs. Dreamwalking was always my favorite. I can't say I recall any of the songs off of this album, though. At least uh, my dad's band playing these songs. I don't know if they did, but considering the album isn't rated as highly as his previous albums, I would expect not. Real quick, 
not a band on any chart, but a band near and dear to my heart, releasing an album just a few days before this episode of Aqua Teen premieres. We have the radio department with Pulling Our Weight, which, sorry, is an EP, not an album, but I really want to mention it here. Earlier in 2003, they released their debut album, Lesser Matters, and they're already coming out with this EP that is very highly rated. In fact, over on RateYourMusic.com, Pulling Our Weight is ranked as the best EP of 2003 and is listed as the 59th best EP of all time. And this is derived from the ratings done on the website. So it's not just some guy declaring this. This is based on how highly rated listeners of this of this EP are rating it. So... Let me play you a little bit. That's right. I know you're just dying to hear more of these heartthrob Swedish hunks with their unique take on dream pop. I know you want to hear more. That is the radio department. One of my favorite bands ever. Check them out. You know, I had tickets to see them back in uh, 2020 and something called COVID hit and then they couldn't come over to the United States. Very sad. That's not all the music we got this week, though. Of course, you know, it, it wouldn't be a week on this podcast if I didn't tell you that the number one single was Beyonce featuring Sean Paul with Baby Boy. However, our alternative track this week, we got something new. Let's wrap our ears around it. Every step that I take is another mistake to you. This podcast started out, we were talking about Linkin Park back in the Rabot episode, and if I'll be darned, the boys are back here with their song Numb as the top Billboard alternative track for this week, and I'm not mad about it. Love Linkin Park, talked about them then, love Numb, love the album it comes off of Meteora, which itself dropped back in March of 2003, love hearing them. I gotta listen to some of their albums again, it's been too long. And just a side note, if anybody is a fan of Linkin Park or this, you know, era of new metal or older new metal, definitely check out the Roach Coach podcast. Very, very funny podcast where they go through all of these classic new metal albums. So, all right, that's it for our music this week. What do we got over in the video game department? We got a few things going on over there. First of all, we have the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition coming out on the GameCube. So this is a compilation disc featuring basically all the Zelda games, or at least the major ones. So it has the original Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask, as well as the Wind Waker demo. So like all these classic games up through Majora's Mask, and then the demo for Wind Waker. They put all that on a disc and they sell it for the GameCube. Sounds pretty solid. Something else going on this week, we have a game coming out to the Xbox called Project Gotham Racing 2, which I thought was going to be a Batman racing game, but I don't think there's any connection to Batman. It's just a very well-received 
racing game. I'm seeing nothing but good things about it. Back in the day, this seemed to be one of the racing games to get. That would be Project Gotham Racing 2. No Batman involved. Last thing I'm going to touch on is a little game that came out called Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic coming to PC. Now, the game initially came out in July of 2003 on the Xbox, but we weren't covering any Aqua Teen episodes that month at all, so this is kind of a, a new game to talk about. I have not played this game, but I have heard nothing but amazing things about this game. It is a Star Wars role-playing game. And it's just, it's just held up throughout all these years as just being a very solid RPG game in the Star Wars universe. So if that's your thing, I mean, you probably have played this game and you probably have some great memories of it. So those are our three titles this week. Some Zelda, some Project Gotham Racing, and some Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Can't go wrong with it. But all right, it has just been the worst Sunday ever. You had to sit through this horrible Cat in the Hat movie, watching Michael Myers commit several atrocities on screen with your own two eyes. All you could think during this film was, God damn it, if I was Dr. Seuss's widow, I would not sign off on any more of this bullshit. On the car ride home, you gotta listen to this new Toby Keith music. It sucks. It's nothing like his golden era. You don't want to hear it. You're sitting in the passenger seat, visibly upset. Your mom's driving the car. She looks at you. She says, don't worry, sweetie. No need to be so upset. I got you some gifts back home. Let's go take a look at them. You get back home. She says, here you go. I got you a new video game. I know you love Zelda so much, sweetie. You look at it. Mom, come on. This is the collector's edition. I already have all these games in their respective formats. I don't want this, mom. This is nothing new. You made my day even worse. Your mom's got tears in her eyes. She's, oh, I'm so sorry, baby. Well, here, I got you this too. Hopefully you don't have this already. She hands it to you. <gasps> you can't believe it. What is this? It's the volume one DVD of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. That's right. Out just a few days ago was the volume one DVD set for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Finally, you can ditch those shitty VHSs you taped off the TV with all the commercials and shit. No way are you ever uploading that bullshit to YouTube for some podcaster to watch it 20 years later. No, you're sticking with a new exciting format, a digital format DVD. Holy cow, this is the future. Also worth mentioning that Space Ghost Coast to Coast got its first DVD release as well, the volume one for that. And let's take a listen to a commercial that would have been playing on Adult Swim around this time for both of these DVD sets. Please prepare for a special message. Two amazing shows available for the first time ever on DVD. Aqua Teen Hunger Force Volume 1 and Space Ghost Coast to Coast Volume 1. Both contain 16 episodes apiece and creator commentary. And while the Coast to Coast set boasts longer unedited shows never to be seen on television again, the Aqua Teen set presents stuff never before seen. They both feature much, much more. Buy them today at your local Taylor and on adultswim.com. Visually, what's going on here is we have who is supposed to be Moses holding up both of these box sets like he's holding the two slabs with the Ten Commandments on them. So pretty sacrilegious and very in the vein of Adult Swim. Very silly. And yeah, he's he's the one telling the listener or, or the viewer rather 
what these sets include. The Space Ghost set having longer, unedited episodes, and the Aqua Teen set having deleted scenes that were never shown elsewhere. Of course, those deleted scenes and those special features we talked about in the earlier episodes of the podcast when we were covering all of those episodes. So just a matter of time, and the Volume 2 disc and 3 disc will be out with the second season on it. So that is Volume 1 Aqua Teen finally on the shelves. You can own it digitally. How about that? Initially, I was going to say, wow, this is a huge time for Matt and Dave because they're getting both of these box sets coming out because they worked on both shows. However, the volume one Space Ghost is a lot of the earlier episodes, at least before Dave came on. It's possible Matt worked on some of them. But yeah, it's not the Matt and Dave era of Space Ghost really coming out. And obviously, this isn't a Space Ghost podcast, but just really interesting here to see that they have 16 episodes on the Space Ghost Volume 1, but it's not all of the Season 1 episodes. They kind of jump around, pick and choose probably the episodes they thought were the best to include on this box set. So it is earlier episodes, but it's not like a chronological order the same way Aqua Teen's episodes are released. Because up until the later seasons of Aqua Teen, we were getting all of the episodes on DVD. That is not the case with Space Ghost. So, all right, that is our Adult Swim physical media happenings. Uh, Aqua Teen on DVD with the first time on home release. Very exciting. What is coming on Adult Swim this night, November 23rd, 2003? First up, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with this episode, The Cubing. After that, we get C-Lab 2021 with Splitsville, a new episode. And according to IMDb, Dave Willis is in this episode, which is quite exciting I'll read you the storyline real quick. It says Quinn and Debbie are finally breaking up, but not before Virjay gets the band back together and not before everybody gets real drunk at the idiot and not before the insults and fists and beer bottles start flying. So sounds like a crazy time. Although my understanding of C-Lab is, you know, this era of the show, this would be later season three, not the best C-Lab, but uh, the rating on this one, not too bad. So I'm sure it's not a total waste of time. After C-Lab, we get actually a new episode of Space Goes Coast to Coast at 11.30 with Whipping Post. This being finally a continuation of Space Ghost's eighth season, which first premiered January 1st of this year, 2003, with the episode Baffler Meal. So now it's November, and they're finally putting out the second episode of the season, although it's a very short season. It's only like four or five episodes. But still, new Space Ghost in any capacity is always great. From there, it's no more new episodes. 11.45, we get the Brack Show with Bracklet, Prince of Spaceland. Midnight, we get the Oblongs with Narcoleptic Scotty. Of course, my wife and I do a little chat about that episode over on the Patreon feed. So if you've listened to that, you'll be familiar with the episode. At 12.30 a.m., we get Mission Hill, Kevin's Problem, or Porno for Pyro. Fun note here is one of the actors on Mission Hill... Brian Posehn is actually in this episode of Aqua Teen, so pretty cool there. 1 a.m., we get the anime Blue Gender with the episode Calm, and 1.30 a.m., we get Rain the Conqueror with God of Creation. So that's Aqua Teen, C-Lab, Space Ghost, Brack Show, Oblongs, Mission Hill, Blue Gender, and Rain the Conqueror. Really solid lineup here. My only complaint is probably the anime. I'd swap them out with, like, FLCL and Cowboy Bebop or something like that. But otherwise, really solid lineup here. I'm digging all these shows. And I'm sure Blue Gender and Rain the Conqueror are solid too. I've never seen them. But that's what's going on this week on this night on Adult Swim. It's a good lineup. Let's see how this episode of Aqua Teen 
holds up. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by simplyrecipes.com. Do you have one pound of raw peanuts just taking up space in your kitchen? Do you have one fourth cup kosher salt that just won't seem to go away? Do you have about four cups of water pooled up in the bucket you have under the leak in your roof? Well, I've got fantastic news for you. You're just one web search away from having your very own boiled peanuts. Head on over to simplyrecipes.com slash recipes slash boiled underscore peanuts. Scroll your way on down to the very bottom in the discussion section and type yourself up a comment. Say dancing is forbidden sent me. One time I ate boiled peanuts. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, chucking in $1 a month, $5 a month, and if they're real fucking crazy, $10 a month to support this show and get extra content. I'm talking exclusive episodes, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Signing on this week at the birthday dollar seed money tier, we have JD Helen JD is a writer, and let me tell you, if my Patreon keeps growing like this, I can pay her to write these segments for me so that they don't fucking suck. If you would like to support the podcast, get your own extra content, head over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. Really, really helps out the show. But if you want to help the show but can't do so financially, just share the show, just talk about the show, post about the show, uh, retweet my stuff, just liking my stuff on social media. It genuinely helps out, helps more people potentially find the show. Maybe they'll see my funny, cute little thing in their newsfeed. They'll say, wow, I like Aqua Teen. That's a badass post. I'm going to check out this podcast. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The Cubing premiering November 23rd, 2003 with a TV 14 rating. I assume because a lot of the things that the Wisdom Cube slash dumbass Ahedratron says... And we have two guest voice actors on this one, John Schnepp, who unfortunately passed away, and Brian Posehn, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. So this one's a little tricky to talk about because the entire episode up until the very end, the uh, main, quote, villain in this one is called the Wisdom Cube, but it turns out it's just the dumbass Ahedratron. It is not the real Wisdom Cube, but then there's some question to if who the real Wisdom Cube is supposed to be really is a Wisdom Cube. We'll get into it more in the episode, but throughout the episode, I will probably be saying Wisdom Cube to describe this main villain, and you'll just know who I'm talking about. Again, it's kind of convoluted because of of the similar-looking characters and the switch between who is who, but I'm sure you'll be able to follow along and understand just fine. Real quick, our production code on this one is 219, but it is the 18th episode to air, so nothing too crazy there, and eventually... The episodes will line up with their production codes after our next one that we will cover. So, with all of that out of the way, of course you know we got us a Dr. Weird skit to jump into. So, this one, there's a bit of a visual reveal to make it funny, and that reveal is that we see Steve, but instead of his normal little legs poking out of his lab coat, he has, it's just one giant... I guess ape's foot and the coloring on it, it has hair where the leg is supposed to be the same orange as the top of Steve's head. And then there's a little bit of hair on the toes as well. And yeah, it's just one giant foot that he is standing on. So that's all the visual elements. Let's give it a listen. So, gentlemen, you, uh, you try that foot lotion I gave you? The one with the gorilla on the bottle? 
You know, does it look like I tried it? <laughs> you did! <laughs> Dr. Weird's very happy about that. Oh, you did! He seems genuinely gladdened by it. But uh, yeah, it seems like Dr. Weird was running some sort of experiment here on Steve, and it was successful. Again, the application of this experiment, who knows? I guess uh, like a government could use it against its enemies. You know, it'd be hard for those soldiers to fight a war if they all have giant gorillas, uh, a single foot, I guess, on the bottom of their legs. Who knows? But uh, experiment successful. Good job, Dr. Weird. And poor Steve is stuck with this for the rest of his life, unless there is some sort of conditioner that turns your feet back to normal. Who knows? So pretty decent Dr. Weird clip. It's not like one of the best, but it's, it's I wouldn't say it's bad. From there, we move into the episode proper after the intro song, of course, and we are just thrown right into this episode, really, because we get an establishing shot of the Aqua Teen's house. It's daytime, and there's this weird cube outside. Uh, the, the front-facing side is green, and then on the left of the camera, we see a little bit of blue, and on the top, we see a little bit of red. And those are the colors, and it can talk. It's, it, it's saying hello, it's trying to talk to the Aqua Teens, and it lights up when it talks. On voice duties for this character, we have John Schnepp, who he worked on Space Ghost, he did stuff with the Upright Citizens Brigade, and then after Aqua Teen, he went on to work on Metalocalypse, he did another Aqua Teen episode where he plays Gary the Dairy Fairy in one of the later seasons, and he also directed a bunch of music videos, most notably for Death Clock, he was the director of a bunch of those videos, but he also did stuff for Exodus, I Set My Friends on Fire, and The Damned Things. So that's some of the things that John Schnepp did. Uh, he was just all over film, television. I mean, his IMDb is, is pretty big. So he's been involved in a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2018. But he had just a huge influence. Oh, he also worked on Venture Brothers too. I should uh, probably go on to mention that. So that's John Schnepp. He is opening this episode as this character. This is going to be a long clip because... This character's trademark is it just kind of rambles on. It's very annoying, and I didn't really see a point in cutting this whole intro scene up, so I'll just throw us in. We'll take a listen. What does this cube have to say? Hello? I'm here. Anyone home? <laughs> Hi. Hey, is anyone in there? I'm hey, coming. Hey, 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 I'm here. What the hell are hey, you? Hey, 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 hey. I am the Wisdom Cube. This one time three years ago, I broke my arm. I was informed improperly <laughs> that my keys were in a throttling wood chipper. Alas, they were not. I shall never wear a cast again. The itching drove me to the brink of insanity. From now on, all my locks shall be keyless. What are you talking to? Move over. Let me see. Let me see them. I was telling your friend here how I broke my arm in a skiing accident. I busted this tree in half. But you just said. I know what the truth is. I ski sometimes in Vail. I'm allowed to. Okay. <laughs> We have a house there. I'd hardly even use it, but I'm there sometimes. Well, and why no did you... keys. F that, I said. <laughs> in that case, why you did you... do not ask me those types of questions, all right? I have all the wisdom in the universe, and I'm not going to sit here for eternity answering your dumb, tiny-minded questions. Well... Just deal with that. <laughs> well, then what's... Did I not say the wisdom cube? He said it. I was here. Maybe I'll wear a sticker around my chest since you're so hung up on labels. <laughs> I'm going to come in here real quick and let you know that Meatwad, he was inside, he came up and, and saw what was going on, and he just busted through the window to come outside and hang out with everybody. Hey, what's this old boy doing here? Don't ask. <laughs> no, ask, please. All right. What's he told you not to ask. <laughs> I'm here for some practical joke <clears throat> job interviews. Pass me your phone. I need to make some long-distance calls. 
so there's just so much going on here but at the same time there's really not like the, the wisdom cube he reveals his name to be says so much but there's like nothing of consequence to any of it really besides the fact that towards the end when asked why he's there he kind of says oh i'm gonna do, i'm here to do some practical jokes but then he cuts himself off he then says he's here for some job interviews which is funny kind of the same thing as travis of the cosmos this one just i'm just surprised how quickly we're thrown in like there's no setup to this it's just hey the character is here. Like, it's Aqua Teen. You know the deal. Random shit happens, and random shit is happening right now. There's this cube thing that talks. It's very annoying. Uh, so we get a shot of it from the inside of the house, and we see on its other side, its backside, away from the camera, when we're from the front, the color is a cyan kind of color. So those are some of the colors we're seeing on this multicolored cube that just talks on forever. And yeah, there's, like, no point to it. It's just It's just rattling on. First, it talks about how it broke its arm... Which is funny because it's a cube. It doesn't have an arm. That happened three years ago. I have never broken a bone and I hope to keep that up. But uh, I feel like that's pretty optimistic. He then tells the great story about how his keys were in a wood chipper. So like the idea is like he had to go and grab them out, but his arm got cut up or something. He, he goes on to say too that the, 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 the keys weren't in. Like I, I can't analyze all of the dialogue from this thing because it just makes no sense it's it's so annoying the point here is the character is very annoying and that will build throughout the episodes and the aqua teens will react to it so the aqua teens in this one kind of acting as uh maybe i don't want to say a greek chorus but along the lines of that because us as viewers are going to quickly be annoyed with this character even you know if we aren't already and the aqua teens will grow annoyed as well the wisdom cube talks about skiing and veil Vail being a town in Colorado that is very popular for skiing. I've never been skiing before, but it looks pretty fun. I was watching Little People Big World the other day. They were skiing on there. I'm like, that looks pretty fun. Looks like something I'd have a good time doing. But uh, we'll see if it happens. I, I'm in Minnesota. I guess that's a pretty decent spot for it. On to more important things that the Wisdom Cube said, though. Uh, of course, it said its name is the Wisdom Cube, and it has all the wisdom in the universe, but it won't spend its time answering the Aqua Teen's questions. And then, again, yeah, he's there for uh, job interviews, he says, and he needs the phone to make some long-distance calls. So that leads us to our next scene where the Wisdom Cube is still out in the yard. It really never moves throughout the entire episode. It's just in the yard until the very end. And it's there with a phone book placed in front of it, and it has the Aqua Teen's phone. It's making some prank calls. Hello? Is this Chad Webster? It is? <laughs> Classic! That never gets old for me! Do you have any other phone books? I'm out of Webster's. What? That's it? You're not even gonna touch the Washington? I know. I saw them too. Which page? One page back, right here. That's right. Yeah, you found it. I'll note that. Hello? Is this A. Washington? It is? <laughs> yeah! Washington! <laughs> You darling bastard! <laughs> Let me try nah, one! I don't want to do it anymore. Get me a pallet of toilet paper. I've got a wise idea. So that's their little prank call scene. And it really illustrates how dumb this character is. This character obviously isn't a wisdom cube because, you know, it's making these prank calls, but it's not even making funny prank calls. It just, it makes no sense at all. Also illustrated with the fact that he didn't really understand how the phone book worked because this thing is, it's massive. It's gigantic. And he's like, oh, I'm done with this one. Like, get me another one. Even though like I think he was done with that page. He didn't understand just to turn the page. Regarding the phone book, there is a bit of visual information here. Again, it's a huge book. It's gigantic, as you would expect a phone book to be. On the cover, it says New Jersey Residential Directory, and it is the 1994 edition. It's, it's kind of banged up, too. So they have this old phone book just sitting around for some reason. Pretty funny here. And the back is a bit more interesting. We have kind of a joke here. On the back of the phone book, 
we have an ad, which is for a fictitious thing. And this fictitious thing is for John E. Breston PC. PC standing for Professional Corporation. And I'm not really sure what that is. So, so looking it up on Google here, many jurisdictions recognize a special type of corporation for doctors, lawyers, accountants, etc., which makes sense because that's really what this ad is going for. So John Breston is supposed to be a lawyer in this case. And this ad reads, injured? 1-800-555-6666. So that's the phone number if you are injured to call for John E. Breston, PC, who specializes in cases related to car accidents, work injuries, constipation, karate kicks, bad breath, and gingivitis. So that's what John Breston is doing. And if, if that name doesn't ring a bell, I don't believe we've talked about him on the podcast yet. But he was a production assistant on the show. Something of note is on the fifth episode of the series, Balloonenstein, John Breston is responsible for the sock puppets that Meatwad is watching after he gets his powers and he, he thinks he's hot shit. Well, I guess he is kind of. But John Breston, he was a, yeah, a production assistant on the show, but he also did stuff on Space Ghost, The Brack Show, and then he did a lot of stuff on Aqua Teen going forward. Like, he, he, he's an editor on a lot of episodes, or at least he's listed as one, but he goes on to be a pivotal part of 12 Ounce Mouse, if you're a fan of that show. So, John Breston, just somebody really involved in this group of people working on Aqua Teen, you know, he was working on it himself, and they thought they would make some jokes at his expense here, that he's a lawyer, but he, he also handles these kind of strange cases, such as karate chops and bad breath. Just looking at this scene is so funny, because we see the phone book laid out in front of the Wisdom Cube, and then he has this old wireless phone. And of course, this technology looks old by today's standards, but, you know, just looking at the number on the phone book, the 1994, this stuff was old by 2003 standards. So so it's not like the Aqua Teens even really had things that were of the time. They had old shit back then because they were poor back then. So it's just a really great touch seeing this. I really like these subtle details about how, how poor the Aqua Teens are. So, you know, for any younger listeners, even by 2003 standards, uh, this little shot was pretty funny because it was so antiquated. And phone book, it's, you know, it's funny to see one of those. Um, even if you've never used one, I assume you know what it is. Like, I don't know that I've ever had to use a phone book. I've had them. I'm sure they still make them. Uh, how long will they last going forward? Who knows? But uh, it's always fun to see that brought up in an episode here since... I mean, uh, is anybody else writing about phone books in modern TV shows these days? Who knows? So, all right. Uh, important to note here, you heard, and I, I should have mentioned, that it's the Wisdom Cube on the lawn, and then Shake was hanging out with him while he was doing this. Shake seemed to be down with it, and then Shake wanted to do some prank calls, but the Wisdom Cube was like, no, I have another idea. So they're going to pull a prank on Carl, and that is just putting a single roll of toilet paper across the azalea bushes outside of his house. Come out, fat man! Come out and witness your demise! Oh, yeah, well, he came out already. He had to go get one of them, uh, what do you call when you... We have to stay 100 feet away from It's called him. a free beer next door. Come on! All right! Woohoo! Hey! I said come on! Yo, I came! Where are you? What are you doing? Oh, what, you're scared now? What's up, wuss? Say mother may I, then spell cup. I love that joke. That character is stupid, but that, that's a pretty funny joke. So fun visual error in that shot, or that scene rather, is when we start, 
we see the wisdom cube and shake and the blinds are closed on the aqua teen's house and then in the very next shot the blinds are open that's kind of fun also interesting that the wisdom cube knows carl like i guess if he's the wisdom cube it makes sense that he knows who carl is he knows he's uh referred to as fat man sometimes because he's the wisdom cube he's all knowing but we know he's not the wisdom cube so it's kind of funny that he would say this. It's like, when did he ever see Carl? How does he know Carl's name, who he is, anything like that? Pretty funny that, you know, these characters show up and they just instantly know what's going on with the Aqua Teens and they know who everybody is. As for what happens in the scene, though, it eventually goes to, you know, Carl's not coming out. So the Wisdom Cube is like, oh, that means we can go in his house and get some free beer. So Shake starts walking, but the Wisdom Cube just stays put like it doesn't move at all. And then it, and then it gets aggressive with Shake because Shake was leaving, which is strange because the Wisdom Cube later in the episode is shown that it can fly. So I don't know why it wouldn't go with him, but it doesn't want to. It wants to stay put and it, it yells at Shake for leaving. And then the last little bit to talk about there is that Shake mentions that Carl is getting a restraining order against the Aqua Teens, which is great, especially after the ending of Kidney Car, where his head just explodes because the Aqua Teens just keep fucking with him. And, you know, that's kind of the whole show up till this point. He's had enough. He's getting a restraining order. And that will come up later. So let's move on to our next scene where we cut to inside and Frylock is on his computer looking into the Wisdom Cube. It says here that this wisdom cube is the wisest being in the universe, and he travels the galaxies feeding off knowledge. He be feeding off them microwave burritos, too. Those are gone? There were six this morning. There ain't none now. <laughs> he's gassy, boy. Don't say nothing about him farting. Oh, he's just doing that with his mouth meat wide. Sometimes the most brilliant people are the most eccentric. Really? That's a dead-on impression of a butt. <laughs> uh, something that they talk about over on the Master Shake Theater podcast that's very interesting is how a lot of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, there are references to them not having food and them needing food. And I didn't really notice that until they mentioned it. And it's, it's very true that these characters are always in need of food and, and their food is always gone. Like their fridge is always empty, which of course links back to them being poor, but is very fun and ironic considering they themselves are food products who in the Baffler Meal episode, they were concocted to fight teen hunger by being these, you know, food mascots. And then now in their own show, once they were developed more as characters, they are just always hungry and they never really have food, which is a great touch. But Meatwad mentions how there were six microwave burritos in the morning and now there's none, which, you know, growing up, like I said, we didn't have much money. I ate a lot of microwave burritos. So that's like so funny that that's what they would have in their fridge. When I try and eat them now, like there's some brands, I guess I don't mind. I actually find when you try and get like a more expensive microwave burrito, they don't taste as good. It's very surprising. Like the uh, very cheap ones, you get a bunch of them for a few bucks. I think those are honestly the best if you're going to go that route. And I'm assuming that's what they had. So Meatwad's going out about how gassy the Wisdom Cube is, but but Frolic points out that he's doing that with his mouth. Like, they're trying to prank call people on the phone. That's why he's doing that. And Frylock at this point, is believing that this is the Wisdom Cube. He's like, ah, well, you know, he's just eccentric. That would make sense, considering how much knowledge he has and all that stuff. But, of course, I mean, we know, as we've all seen this episode, that it goes on to not be true. We are not out of the scene, though, because Frylock is going on saying, sometimes the most brilliant people are the most eccentric. And now he's going to show some of his eccentricities because we've touched on this slowly throughout the show. You know, we saw it in Super Birthday Snake. We saw it in the deleted Escape from Leprechopolis scenes. But we're about to get this huge reminder that even though Frylock is the straight man, even though he's the goody two-shoes of the show, 
he is not like this completely good character because we are about to see him wearing an SNM mask, which in itself doesn't make you a bad person. But the fact that he's showing this to Meatwad to me is very questionable and very strange. But yes, he's wearing this leather mask and there are zippers around the eyes, which will be closed later. And there's also the red ball gag underneath his beard that he will put in his mouth later. And there are just studs uh, uh, all over the mask and stuff. It's just, you know, hey, if this is what he's into totally fine but i think it's kind of weird that he's wearing it in front of meatwad here but that's what he's about to get into take me for instance i mean i'm brilliant and have you haven't you ever noticed how i like to wear this around occasionally and pretend like i've been bad no <laughs> but i have now i mean you see me like this right yes i, I have I, I told you i did i, I just didn't know I was supposed to. So Meatwad here, he's just visibly uncomfortable. When Frylock first puts the mask on, he just cl Meatwad closes his eyes and he doesn't want to look at this. So Meatwad is going to try and break this awkwardness. He's going to jump over to Frylock's bed and try and change the conversation, which doesn't exactly go perfectly. <laughs> Let's change the subject. Guess what else that cute thinks is funny? Look at that. You didn't TP Carl's house. <laughs> Uh-oh. I better go talk to him. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you might... Just sort of take that thing off there. Tell me I've been bad. Yes, um, oh, you've been acting up lately. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor Meatwad trying to deal with this the best that he can. I mean, yeah, this whole scene is just, it's messed up when you think about it. Because Frylock is essentially Meatwad's dad most of the time. You know, he's always looking after him. But then he's going to wear this kind of stuff around him. Just very weird. You know, at, at the end there, you hear Frylock zip up the eyes so he can't see. He's got the ball gag in his mouth trying to get Meatwad to talk dirty to him, which, uh, you know, I guess draw from that what you will. I will definitely be referencing this scene once we get to the Fry Legs episode because it's like people are shocked how he acts in that one, but it's like he's done, you know, pretty weird stuff in, in previous episodes too. So this is definitely one of those moments. But, you know, for the most part, what Meatwad did, you know, he tried to change the subject, tried to uh, get Frylock thinking about something else. Ultimately, it worked because Frylock saw that the Wisdom Cube, or rather Shake for the Wisdom Cube, I assume, TP'd Carl's yard, which is just very minor because there's just one lone line of toilet paper across the bushes. Like, it's not that hard to clean that up. It's not like they threw a bunch of rolls through, like, trees and stuff that would take forever to clean up. It's just one little thing that you can pick off really quickly. And side note on that, I wonder if that's solely because they didn't have the money to do this, like, crazy drawing of all these of all this toilet paper everywhere, but uh, I, th I think it's for the best. I love how lame of a prank that is. So we cut back outside with the Wisdom Cube and Shake. Somehow they know that Frylock is coming. I guess that could go back to the Wisdom Cube knowing everything. Maybe it, it's thought maybe he predicted this. I don't know. Again, obviously we know he's not a, really a Wisdom Cube, but somehow they know Frylock is about to come out and Shake is standing there with, a, with an egg in his hand. And we get this really, really, really funny visual gag because the idea is they're going to throw the egg at, at Frylock to make it, you know, bust on his face, you would assume. But it doesn't really go well. They throw the egg at Frylock. It bounces off of his face and just splatters on the ground, which I think is pretty realistic because Shake doesn't seem to throw it. He just kind of tosses it at Frylock pretty, pretty weakly, I guess. And yes, I know I just said bust on his face. That was unintentional. Let's move on to the clip. And when he comes out here... Hit him with the egg. Say. Gotcha. Fight, 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 fight. Do it, fight. Come on, fight. Don't worry. I know where he lives. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Some of my favorite jokes in the world are always I know where he lives jokes when it's like obvious that everybody knows where the person lives. I don't know why. It always gets me. So that's that attempted prank. So, so far we've seen three really lame pranks by the Wisdom Cube. Mostly, uh, you know, two out of three now, it seems like he's getting shake just to do them on his behalf. 
but Shake ran away. You know, he 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 sprinted off. There is broken egg on the ground now, and Frylock is about to chat with the Wisdom Cube. So anyway, you contain all wisdom and knowledge throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Okay, well, I've been struggling with this paradox, you know? Yeah. If there is a god, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Yeah. Or did he just create us in his image out of egotism, or what's the point? Yeah. 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 That's all you gotta say? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, take a picture. It'll last longer. <laughs> what kind of response is that? Why don't you sit down over there and let me tell you a story? So Frylock's about to sit down. Just want to cut this scene up. We just see how dumb the Wisdom Cube is. I mean, Frylock's trying to get uh, these big questions that humanity has had its entire existence just to be met with, yaha, uh-huh, yaha. Uh-huh. So Frylock is going to sit down on the stoop. We'll get a nice little noise of that, and he will continue to talk with the Wisdom Cube. This one time I ate boiled peanuts. I mean, like, a whole lot of them, all right? And I'd like to got sick. <laughs> know what I mean? I, I think I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I'm getting the total grasp of what you're saying. I mean, if you... What are you saying? Keep honking. I'm reloading my gun. <laughs> That's not really the response I expected, you know? Hey, I'm not as fink as you drunk I am. Well, anyway... Uh, Horn broken? Watch for finger. Okay, well, look at the time. Beauty's in the eye of the beer holder. That's what I, I've heard. Okay, okay, don't want to cut you off. No, but... no, don't go. No, wait. Work is for people who don't know how to fish. Look, there's Carl. Hey, Carl! So, Frylock seeing Carl, he's gonna leave this guy. So... Yeah, Frylock's sitting down. He's, he's ready for this big answer. The Wisdom Cube just talks about boiled peanuts. And, like, you think he's going to keep talking, but that's his whole story. is about, one like, just one time I ate boiled peanuts. That's it. That's his whole story. Boiled peanuts are typically, like, a southern snack. And you just boil peanuts with salt and then sometimes some spices if you want to. I've heard they're really good. I haven't had them before. But I have had French burnt peanuts, I think they're called. And these are peanuts that are basically just cooked in in sugar. It's like a candy with a peanut inside. They're typically red. Those are pretty good. Back to our scene, though. The Wisdom Cube is just spouting off these one-liners, and we will get to where he is deriving these from. But in the meantime, Frylock, he sees Carl, and he's going to use that as an excuse to bail out. And that, to me, is reminiscent of the Return of Hand Banana Aquadonk side piece, which of course came, you know, about 20 years after this episode. But in that one, Carl sees Frylock checking the mail, so he runs out to talk to him to get away from Hand Banana. In this case, we have Frylock seeing Carl taking his trash out, and he's using that as an excuse to ditch the Wisdom Cube here because it's a dumbass that won't stop talking. So he's going to run up to Carl, who's holding his trash. Let's hear how that goes. Oh, hey, hey, hold up, man. No, 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 don't come over here. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. Very funny, Scotty. Now bean down my clothes. Hey, man, look, I'm sorry. I'd love to stay here with you, but I got to go over there with Carl and spank him. Shut up and fish. No, no, I got nothing to say to you. Nothing personal. Oh, thank you. Hey, nice yard. It's nice. There's a restraining order coming. For your information, it's still tied up in the courts. Because I don't have photographs of things like this thing you're doing here with my butt. What are you doing here? Check it out. Stop doing Completely it. Rolled. Wait, no. No, wait. Keep doing it. <laughs> Let me go get my camera. Say what you will about this episode of Aqua Teen. This is a great scene with Frylock spanking Carl and, and the surprise on Carl's face. He has no idea what's going on. And Frylock, that's the first thing he could think of, which I think kind of says something about Frylock that, you know, not, oh, I have to go talk to Carl about something important. It's, oh, I have to go uh, spank him. You know, we, we, we got Frylock. He's still got the leather mask on his mind here. And I guess it goes to show that not only is Frylock excited to be the Dom, but he's excited to be the sub too, because he can take the spankings, he can dish out the spankings, he's a multifaceted man. 
we get some more talk on the restraining order that Carl's trying to get. And he's like, yeah, I wish I had pictures of stuff like this that's happening so that I can actually get this restraining order. So he walks away while he's talking. And a fun little visual uh, error there is that as Carl turns to the side to walk away from being spanked from Frylock, his mouth stops moving, but he keeps talking because, you know, like they just have that drawing of Carl walking sideways, like or, or a sideways shot of him rather. And it's not talking. So they just saved some money. Didn't animate the mouth there. No big deal. So Carl's walking away, and then Frylock is going to plead for him to stay. From there, Frylock is going to try and pawn the Wisdom Cube off on Carl. And we get this really funny transition where, where Frylock is just going to leave. He's going to blow a hole in the ground, like in the grass, and then go down into the hole that he you know, made. And then he's going to blow a hole through the floor of the house and go back up inside of it. So he like creates his own impromptu tunnel here to get away from the Wisdom Cube, because that's how annoying he finds this character. No, don't leave me, Carl. Otherwise, I gotta go talk to him. Hey, observe your yard, fatty. Or you could go talk to him. It's nice, yeah. No yeah, way. You like your yard? Yeah, you guys probably have a lot in common. Roll. Uh-uh. Look, he ain't my kind. Guess what, Carl? You like that? He hates foreigners, too. <laughs> a nice yard. You take a look at it, it's completely rolled. It's nice. What's he talking about? I don't know. Hey, like Why don't you go find yard? out? I need to go back inside. <laughs> I rolled it, fat man. Your yard. Check it out. So, yeah, that's, that's probably blowing a hole to get back inside because the Wisdom Cube is kind of set up shop outside their front door. So it'd be too awkward for him to go to the front door. And I've definitely felt this way. You know, if there's somebody at work that I find particularly annoying, I go in the break room to go on break. Oh, no, that person's in there. I'm turning the fuck around and walking out. I'm not going to get roped into some bullshit conversation I don't want to listen to. So I totally empathize with Frylock here. I would do the same thing if I had laser eyes because... That's what this episode really gets on is we all know somebody that just doesn't shut the fuck up like they have to keep talking and they don't like have the social awareness to know that who they're talking to doesn't want to like be a part of this conversation or anything like that. And that really goes to an interesting thing. I guess I'll talk about it now with this character is the Aqua Teens like embrace him right away like they would be his friend. So you can't really feel bad for, for the Wisdom Cube because it's not like, oh, that's the only way he could have gotten them to hang out with him. They were pretty set on hanging out with him from the get-go. Like, anybody who shows up, it seems like they'll hang out with. But the character was just so annoying, they didn't want to do it. So, back to our scene, though. I, I like, <laughs> Frylock's like, he hates foreigners like you, or whatever. Like, they, they could bond over that. But luckily for Carl, because Frylock just bails out. Luckily for Carl, Shake shows up. He, he comes in from the right of the Wisdom Cube. Who knows where he was, but Shake's back in the scene, and he's going to take the heat for Carl. What's up? Chicken butt. <laughs> you ever heard that before? Yeah, I heard it a lot. In the second grade. It's a good one. <laughs> Could you define good one, please? Get me the business pages. I want to give someone the business. Uh, I'd be inside. <laughs> away from you. So we see Shake is losing steam on the wisdom cube here. And it's, it's an interesting plot point because... Shake is normally the annoying character. That's usually the role that Shake fills. And, and this character is too annoying for Shake. And Shake just kind of does a 180 on the Wisdom Cube. And, and that will continue going forward. Because you would think that, you know, both Shake and the Wisdom Cube have the same or, or a similar personality, at least, that they would get along. But that's definitely not the case. Shake's just sick of all these stale jokes because, well, we'll, we'll get to where the Wisdom Cube gets a lot of his jokes. So let's continue with the scene. Shake is going inside and he's going to keep talking about how much he dislikes this character now. 
I gotta tell you, a little of that guy goes a long way. You know, that's just so weird. I, I just can't believe that he's the all-knowing being of the universe. Yeah, all-being. He's doing the 10-pound ball joke all wrong. Some interesting dialogue there because Frylock says, I can't believe he's the all-knowing being of the universe. And then Shake says, all-being. So Shake messes up there. Again, you know, my thought would be maybe Dana messed up the line. But as I've said before, Dana Snyder told me that if he messed up, they would have had him do it again. So who knows if that was the case, if that was in the, in the script or not. Anyways, Shake says that the Wisdom Cube is doing the 10-pound ball joke all wrong, and then we cut outside to the Wisdom Cube. He's sitting there again with the phone book open. He's making some calls. Let's hear him mess up the 10-pound ball joke. Is this a golf course? <laughs> it is? Do you have 10-pound balls? <laughs> no? Well, then how do you walk? <laughs> how do you walk with the... Regular? Well... <laughs> <laughs> So we see where the wisdom cube has gone wrong because you're supposed to call a bowling alley and ask if they have 10 pound balls. Of course, referencing the weight of the bowling balls, but then you're like, oh, well, how can you walk? Meaning that you think like his anatomical balls are 10 pounds. That's the joke. But he's calling a golf course where they have golf balls, which are going to be nowhere near even a pound, let alone 10 pounds. And then when he when he fucks it up, like like his joke isn't really going anywhere. He just resorts to the farting noise, which is very funny. But this is about to get a lot funnier as we continue on with the scene. And Frylock, he reveals some information. I mean, that doesn't make sense any way you hear it. Well, not to mention that I unplugged the phone three hours ago. <laughs> He's just putting on the show. Yeah, hi. Yeah, we're watching you. Maybe that's it, Shake. Maybe it's postmodern. Yeah, clearly from the village. Frylock reveals that he unplugged the phone three hours ago, so you have the Wisdom Cube out there making these phone calls. He, he's not even calling the right places. He's fucking it up. Like, his joke isn't even going the way it's supposed to, and he's not even talking to anybody. You think if, if he was just putting on a show, he would act like he's, like, burning these people on the phone, but he's not. He's looking like a complete idiot still, even though he's not even talking to anybody. Frylock speculates that this is postmodern. Postmodernism, oh, God, uh, just really, really quickly to get into it. It's basically going against the grain, so it, there's like some absurdity it can be involved in postmodernism. So that's what Frylock is kind of getting at. And then Shake says, definitely from the village, and that I assume he is referencing Greenwich Village in New York City, which is where there's a lot of uh, theatrical stuff that goes on there. I am definitely not the person to be speaking on postmodernism, nor theater in any capacity, so uh, that's all I got for you. Jumping back into our scene... Shake is going to try and get Meatwad to go and talk to the Wisdom Cube. Hey, yo, come here. You got a couple hours? Go ask him about the funny time he ate all the boiled peanuts. Is it fun? I thought I'd laugh till I died. <laughs> all right. No, Meatwad, don't. What, are you kidding me? You can't walk by him without getting locked into some conversation about what color he would paint his bedroom or that old chestnut, how I broke my arm. Well, let's go hear that one again. I got nothing else going on. <laughs> Hi, this one time? No. <laughs> now we're just going to walk past him. Don't even make eye contact and go right to the pool so the aqua teens want to go to the pool which just gives me season one vibes because again in season two we don't really see them in the pool that much especially compared to season one but they want to go in the pool and frolic's telling me well don't talk to this guy we all just have to walk past him because he's he's uh set up shop right in front of their door and go to the pool now it's funny here because we've seen they have a back door and you think that they you know first of all frolic just made his tunnel that they could take of course that's nowhere to be seen anymore you would think they could go out the window if they really wanted to, out Frylock's window to go to the pool. But regardless, they're going out the front door. Unfortunately, Meatwad, he isn't so strong-willed. 
Excuse me, uh, sir. Sir, excuse me. Sir, sir, guys, come on, sir. Come on, guys, come on, sir. Hey, sir, sir. Come Is he talking to us? Meatwad, don't. Meatwad. Leave him, he's dead to us. This one time I was watching this funny TV show. It was... Can't really remember it, but it was really funny. Then I had an idea for a dream vacation. I mean, I had the spread, okay? The beach, the hotel. Then I wrote all this, all this down. Wrote it all down. Really wrote it, like five pages. F***ing lost it. You lost it? You want a dream vacation? Forget it. This one old boy gave me a job mopping up late night at this children's apparel store. <laughs> he said I made worse a mess than I was. <laughs> That's discrimination. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Because this one time, I ate boiled peanuts. <laughs> Well, yeah, this one time I rent me a pressure washer, start this business, meet Rob pressure washing, but then I was told, you got to have a license. I says, license? <laughs> How am I supposed to be in this country? <laughs> and I got all mad. I think this is probably the best scene in the whole episode. It's so fun seeing Meatwad talk with this character, because Meatwad's actually humoring the Wisdom Cube. He, he Obviously, he felt bad enough to leave going to the pool to come and talk to him, because Wisdom Cube was so desperate to get any of the Aqua Teens to speak with him. But then Meatwad will listen to the stories, and then he'll also throw some of his own stories back, which we learned quite a bit about Meatwad here, both of these being job-related. He worked at an apparel, a children's apparel store at one point, mopping up, but he did such a bad job that he got fired, and then he also tried to start his own pressure-washing business. And both of these you know, jobs that he mentions are pretty solid. Like Those are both real things that you can do to make money, so good on Meatwad, even though he's the child of the family, clearly he's uh, thinking about bringing in some income, but beyond that, he even tried to start his own business. Now, of course, the caveat here is that this is what Meatwad says. It's possible all of this was made up in his head. Who knows? But I just love both of those stories. I love his interaction with the Wisdom Cube. And uh, the joke about, I am supposed to be in this country. That's one, of my, that's one of my favorite lines from the show, probably. I should mention I have a friend staying over. She's sleeping upstairs. So uh, if you don't hear me laughing as loud and as much as I typically do... That's why. I, th I think there is a lot of funny stuff going on in this episode. This scene being the most funny, and, and it's kind of frustrating because now we have Meatwad chatting away with the Wisdom Cube giving us some gold stories, and they pull us away. They're going to take us now to the pool where Frylock and Shake are chilling out. Shake has his sunglasses on, which I suspect used to be Frylock's. I'm surprised that Frylock doesn't take them back. And he's in his, his green dinosaur tube. And then while they're talking, the sky will start to change colors. It'll, it'll go blue, purple, those kinds of colors. And then another cube will fly in from the sky. And uh, when that happens, Shake is going to push Frylock under the water. They're going to try and hide from it because they think it's another you know clone of the Wisdom Cube. But it turns out not to be. I mean, Meatwad's smart enough to know how to get out of that gracefully, right? No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> For the love of all that's holy, there's another one go under. <gasps> How's the drain? Is that, see what I'm talking about down there? Hey. Oh. Hi, fella. Hey, y'all seen my cousin around here telling this really long story about how he hurt his foot because he didn't wear shoes when he went to the bank? Really? At the bank? This one time, he went to the bank. No, 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 no. He's right out front. So I'm going to start with this chronologically. First, we have Frylock saying, oh, do you think that Meatwad will be able to get out of that conversation gracefully? Which to me is funny because Frylock didn't know how to. He fucking went over, started spanking Carl, and then blew a hole in the ground to get back inside. Not quite graceful, so I don't know why he's expecting Meatwad to be able to. And look, I know this episode isn't like super thrilling, 
but I like seeing the characters react to this real world situation. This is something that happens where you just find somebody that just won't shut the fuck up and they're just, that's their personality. They're a talker. They talk and they just need everybody to pay attention to them. And you have to kind of like learn how to deal with that as an adult. And, and that's what the Aqua Teens are really going through here. So it's not a really fantastical episode but i just really like this is like so slice of life because this villain the whole threat of them is they're just really annoying and i that seems like how most of the characters are but that's all that this character is it's its sole purpose is being annoying and annoying the aqua teens in this very minimal harmless way Anyways, Shake pushes Frylock under the water because they're so desperate to, to stay away from these things. Maybe he thinks it's the real, like, they don't know if it's the real Wisdom Cube or, or what's going on. But he knows, like, oh, this isn't good. And they hide literally just under the water to try and hold their breath as long as possible, which I think is very funny because I could definitely see going to that length to, to avoid somebody I find annoying. And turns out it's not the Wisdom Cube. First of all, the voice is different, of course, voiced by Brian Posehn. And again, like I said earlier, he, he voices in Mission Hill, which also plays on this, this night in our Aqua Teen timeline. And shout outs to Captain Buford for pointing this out to me because I've mentioned Brian Posehn on the show before, I think when Mission Hill first came to Adult Swim and I talked about it. And I forgot to mention that he does show up in Aqua Teen in this episode. Brian Posehn, he has a very distinctive voice. He does a lot of stuff with Sarah Silverman. He's been in lots of sitcoms like New Girl, Big Bang Theory, and more in our universe. Of course, like I said, he was on Mission Hill, but he's also on Tom Goes to the Mayor as the character Gibbons, which will debut on, on Adult Swim in a year or two in our timeline. He was on Tim and Eric, Awesome Show, Great Job, and just, just a bunch of stuff. Like His, his resume is so long, I'm not going to go off listing everything, but... Uh, very distinctive voice, and if you've heard it, then you probably recognize him from something else. I'm actually saying that Brian Posehn is listed as a writer on the Season 5 episode of Space Goes Coast to Coast, Cahill, which came out in 1998. And something I, I really forgot to mention was Brian Posehn goes on to write for Metalocalypse. So both John Schnepp and Brian Posehn are voice actors in this episode, our, our guest voice actors. They both go on to work on Metalocalypse down the line. Now, I should mention, and I should have said this a lot sooner, that Brian Posehn in this episode is listed as Jason Todd, because of course, back in this time, Aqua Teen was not a, a, an actor's union show, so in order for these bigger names to come on the show, they'd have to use a fake name, and that's the case here. Obviously, it's Brian Posehn, and it's listed you know, on his IMDb, it's on Wikipedia that, that this is him. So we know it's Brian Posehn. If you've heard his voice, you know. But in this episode, he is going by Jason Todd. Anyways, back to our episode now. Frylock and Shake, they could only last underwater for so long because they were down there drowning. And Shake tries to play it off. Like, oh yeah, you see the drain? Like they were, That's why they were down there looking at the drain because they were caught trying to hide from this guy. And I'm surprised, speaking of like social awareness, that that shake even cared to cover up you figure shake would just be like fuck you go away but he's actually trying to be nice to this thing but it has a, a different voice as we hear and it reveals it's looking for its cousin we get the joke of the new cube kind of mentioning something its cousin did and then shake's interested but frylock's about to interject because we know that these cubes love talking about stupid stories let's continue on with the scene and, and learn some more information about this character Oh, hey, how's it going, Wisdom Cube? Oh, hey. I'm sorry, we didn't mean. I'm the real Wisdom Cube. This is my cousin, 
the dumbass Ahedratron. Say it, don't spray it. <laughs> we usually try to strap him down. Down, clown town, frown! Shut down, up! clown town, frown! Shut up! So this is interesting here. We learned that who we thought was the Wisdom Cube is the dumbass Ahedratron. Now, obviously, dumbass, we know what that means. A hedratron, I don't think, is an actual thing. When I was Googling it, because I'd never heard of it before, and believe me, I've taken geometry classes. I had never heard of that. And when Googling, you know, hedratron or a hedratron, I would just get information on this episode of Aqua Teen. So it seems like they just made it up for this show. I could be wrong. Let me know if I am. But I, I really don't think that's a thing. And that this is the real Wisdom Cube, which, you know, we, we are lent to believe that, the way that he is talking about the dumbass Ahedratron and the back and forth they get into of him telling the dumbass Ahedratron to shut up because, you know, it's, it seems like the Wisdom Cube here understands how annoying his cousin is. To the visuals real quick on the real Wisdom Cube, which, you know, I love these characters because they're so easy to describe. Again, it's just a cube, but the colors are a little bit different. On its front-facing side, we get blue. On its, you know, our left side, I guess, while looking at it, is a little bit of red. And on the top is a neon green. Those are its colors. Simple as that. So continuing on with our scene, I should mention we are in the front yard now, of course, because that's where the uh, dumbass Ahedratron has been the entire episode and hasn't left. The Wisdom Cube has joined along with all the Aqua Teen characters. Let's hear some more about this. Oh, so you're the real Wisdom Cube. Yeah. Uh -huh. The source of all knowledge and wisdom? Yep. You're him? The one? Yeah. Uh -huh. So so let me ask you, what what's at the end? When we're dead, is it over? Do we go to heaven? Do we go to hell? Or are we just rotting the ground? Some things should not be known by mortals. But I will leave you this flaming bag. So what you heard was a lightning strike comes down from the sky, hits their driveway and appearing in its wake is a brown paper bag and it is on fire of course this fire effect our classic aqua teen campfire you'll love to see it i was i was so scared they weren't going to show us one in this episode but don't worry we got it the bag is there but we can see there's something a little off about this wisdom cube the way he just goes yaha yaha you know kind of like how the uh, dumbass ahedratron did We've got the flaming bag. Let's see what he says to do with it. Whenever you need an answer for something, when you feel you are truly ready, put out this flame. This flaming bag contains the answer. So very strange here. We could tell something is going on. Like, why is an answer in a flaming bag? Frylock surprisingly still kind of falling for it. I think that uh, probably unrealistic. I feel like Frylock would instantly be suspicious and he's kind of falling for it. The dumbass Ahedratron is about to chime in. He's about to say, hunker down, you hairy dog. And then we will see the backside of the dumbass Ahedratron, which is, uh, it looks to be like a really light blue, but it's just covered in bumper stickers with all sorts of sayings on it. For example, born free, taxed to death. There's one with uh, an American flag kind of design that says, kick their ass, take their gas. One says, I'm not as think as you drunk I am. There's just a bunch of them. I'm not going to read them all off to you, but they're just like the Aqua Teen staff's take on just stupid, really dumb bumper stickers. And that seems to be where the dumbass Ahedratron gets a lot of its lines. And it really goes to show, because he was literally just quoting one of these stickers on his own back, that it, it, he's just so susceptible to hearing other things and then just constantly repeating them which I've definitely known people like that where I think that they're saying something really clever and, and, and witty that they came up with only to, you know, a year later see a video where that same thing happened that came out before the friend would have said that. It's like, oh, you're just repeating something you fucking heard before and, and that's all you're doing. 
So it's just a huge insight into this this character that everything it was saying, it presumably had seen somewhere else and was just regurgitating this information. Yeah, hunker down, you hairy dog. <laughs> hunker down, boy. That's what it says right here on this bumper sticker. <laughs> bumper sticker? Let me see that. So again, in that clip, we saw the alternate side of the Wisdom Cube, and it's really interesting the way they show it to us because we get what I assumed was an alternate shot of the Wisdom Cube because we see the side of it we hadn't seen yet. Like, nobody had noticed these bumper stickers, which doesn't really make sense. Like, obviously, the, there's some sides to the Wisdom Cube that even the Aqua Teens hadn't seen yet. But we realized the way that they are showing it to us is the Wisdom Cube is still in the same spot it always was. And we just see the bumper stickers, like, at the forefront, which obviously weren't there before. It doesn't really make sense the physical space of all of this. I don't really understand what's happening. But again, you know, it's a cheap show. They didn't want to use another camera angle, which they would really have to do to show this. So they just have, I guess, the the dumbass Ahedratron uh, turned itself towards the camera to show its bumper stickers. I don't know. So that's enough bumper sticker talk for this episode. Let's jump back into our scene where the Wisdom Cube and the dumbass Ahedratron both are going to fly off, which, which again is confusing because it's like, well, why didn't the dumbass Ahedratron fly around with Shake when they were going and doing things? He just kind of sat in the yard and, and got mad when Shake would leave. But it is what it is. They're about to fly off. And remember, the the bag supposedly containing the knowledge that Frylock seeks is still by the Aqua Teens. It's still on fire. And now we must leave See you. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Put it out. Get the answer. I just don't know if I'm ready for the final answer. But you could be. I'm ready for you to know. Do it with your hands while we're watching. <laughs> Come on, put it out. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That is the Wisdom Cube and the dumbass Ahedratron just floating above uh, Frylock and the Aqua Teens. Like, they're, they're not that high in the sky. Just watching them uh, play around with this bag. Frylock is going to hit his hand into the bag. And surprise, surprise, it's not full of answers. It's full of shit. Oh man, jackass! <laughs> hey man, you know if you want the final, final answer, um, you should put it in your mouth. I think you're ready. <laughs> that is Shake picking the bag up with a stick and bringing it over to Frylock, which is so funny. So it seems like Shake knew what was happening. Shake knew that this was a prank. He knew the bag was full of shit because he was trying to get Frylock to put it out. And I think that maybe that's some sort of statement on like Frylock is book smart but he could still fall prey to these kind of schemes personally I don't believe this I think that Frylock would have known what was going on like he's not as dumb as they're portraying him to be in this episode but of course it's Aqua Teen they they use these characters however they need to be used for example with Shake trying to be socially polite to everybody rather than just going off on them because he's he's annoyed with them like he would do in any other episode but you know again they have the dumbass Ahedratron and now the Wisdom Cube kind of filling Shake's role in this episode so they use Shake in a different way we'll get back into more of that kind of talk in a minute though because we have our last clip from the episode we've got the Wisdom Cube the dumbass Ahedratron they fly up again into the sky laughing at Frylock and as they are laughing, a helicopter will fly by and basically obliterate them into tiny little, what I would describe as pixels, maybe. They just get absolutely shredded by the helicopter that flies pretty close to the Aqua Teen's house, I, I should add. But yeah, that's how it ends with these characters just dying. You son of a Come back here and say that. Round <laughs> down from the clown frown. Hey, fairy, blow it up. <laughs> 
So that's the whole episode. Frolic screaming, ah, as, as these pixels fall from the sky all over him. Very funny. And these characters towards the end, almost reminiscent of Beavis and Butthead to me, that they're just laughing and making fart noises, essentially. I should, I should add here that according to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, that the helicopter that passes by at the end of the episode is an enforcer helicopter from the early 90s Hanna-Barbera series SWAT Cats. And I have gone and I have found the helicopter that they used in this episode. And I can see that the helicopter for the SWAT Cats episode, there are some, some symbols on it and stuff that were covered up for the Aqua Teen episode. But I can see it's the same thing. This all checks out. So remember, of course, that a lot of the shows on Adult Swim at this time did use all of these old assets. But Aqua Teen pretty quickly moved away from that. Now, some things ended up as staples of the show. For example, the background... Behind the Aqua Teen's house, that cityscape is from SWAT Cats as well. And Dr. Wood's Castle, I think being from Johnny Quest, I know we've talked about it on the podcast before. So the show was really rooted in those ideas of reusing this old footage, but they don't do it a lot. So when they do it now, like here, it, it kind of stands out. It's kind of cool as opposed to something like C-Lab that's basically all repurposed old animation. Aqua Teen kind of quickly moves towards just having its own stuff, but that's also due to the fact that Aqua Teen became a juggernaut for the channel for Adult Swim, they got a lot more money to make their own assets. They didn't have to go looking through the old Hanna-Barbera library that they had. They were able to just, you know, draw up something for the show, which other shows didn't necessarily have the budget for. But all right, that is the cubing. And before I give you my thoughts on this one, before I give you the thoughts of anybody else on this one, we actually do have a little bit more to talk about. And unfortunately, I don't have a direct answer for what we're about to discuss, but it's still worth talking about, not only because I dedicated a ton of time to it, but maybe in the future, I will find a definitive answer for you. So if you are a real credits hound, a real credits fiend, you can't wait to read over every single credit of this episode, you might have noticed a very, very quick slide that flashes by. You barely have time to read it, but if you read it, it says this. Additional music performed by the Moonanites. Ben Collins, Travis Knowles, Zach Smola, from the album New Moon Record. So that is the title slide. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, there was some additional music. This is who it's by. I can't find any additional music in this episode. I went back and listened many times to try and find some additional music outside of the normal Dr. Weird music, the normal intro music, and the normal outro music. There's nothing. The only thing I could think of that this would be attributed to would be maybe the sound of the Wisdom Cube floating. That's the only other major audio thing I could think of. But even then, that doesn't make sense to me. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, first of all, th this group of guys is called the Moonanites, but none of these guys worked on the show. This is their only credit on the show. And of course, the other guys don't have IMDb credits, unfortunately, at least that I think are these actual people. There are other Ben Collins I IMDb pages, but I don't know that it's this guy, so I'm not going to sit there and, and pour over those. So I tried to find, okay, who are the Moonanites? Like, was this a band? Sure enough, I did find some recordings from 2003 of these three guys. They are credited to it as the Moonanites. You can find that over on archive.org. I will link this in the show notes. 
And the uploader of this material was Ben Collins, one of the people listed, one of the people in the Moonanites. So I went down this whole rabbit hole trying to find any way to contact him. And I found all these other bands he used to be in back in the mid 2000s. I found people he collaborated with. I found his old YouTube channel. I found people he's collaborated with their YouTube channels. All of this stuff is pretty inactive. There's no contact information. I have left comments and just hope that he sees them. I will continue to try and look into this in my free time. I couldn't get a definitive answer for you, you know, how this came to be. Again, not only who this group is, but also the fact that there was no actual music in this episode, so it makes no sense. And I should mention that I did reach out to Jay Edwards, you know, executive producer on Aqua Teen, and he didn't know, and that's what I expected. This is so obscure. Who are these guys? Nobody knows, but hopefully I can get the answer for you one of these days. I'll keep trying to find Ben. We'll see what can happen. Unfortunately, today I cannot get you those answers, but I can give you some thoughts on this episode from people who saw it the night that it aired. Let's head on over to the Anime Superhero Forum, which back in the day was called the Toon Zone Forum, and see what was going on this Sunday night in Aqua Teen history. The response to this one is very mixed. A lot of people are just saying, eh, it's okay, didn't really like it. And then some people are saying that they love it. So it's a very interesting comment section. Let me read you somebody who didn't like it. This is from user Turbo. Frylock and the SM stuff was the highlight for me. Other than that, I got kind of bored by it. Bored sounds a little extreme, I guess, compared to other episodes. This was not as, holy crap, that's hilarious funny, but more of a chuckle funny. Second week in a row with a non-sequitur death ending. And then Turbo goes on to give this episode a B. That's a good point about the non-sequitur death ending, because in Kidney Car, Carl's head explodes at the very last second. And in this one, the cubes, they both get just destroyed by the helicopter. So very funny, very quick endings. And a lot of people on the forum really only liked this episode for the ending. They're like, oh yeah, like the best part was the ending when the cubes get killed and that's it. Moderator Carl Olson comes in with this. This episode was eh off. S&M Freak Frylock was somewhat more creepy than funny, and the funny was coming more from Meatwad's terrified reaction. The villains were blah, and even Carl was kind of ill-used. The restraining order piece was a nice touch. The ending, as per usual, was dead on. No more cubes. Yes, success in comedy. B-. I actually kind of agree with the bit about Carl being ill-used. I would have loved to see Carl actually interact with the dumbass Ahedratron. I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity there because, I, I don't know, it just would have been fun to uh, see Carl have to react to that situation because that's really all the episode was, was the characters reacting to this annoying character. So let me read you one more comment. I'll end on a positive one this time because a lot of people did like this episode. User Dogasu says this. I liked this one. The highlights for me were what everybody else already mentioned. SM Frylock, complete with a freaked out meatwad, shake dunking Frylock into the pool to avoid the cube, etc. I think we all know somebody like the cubes, somebody who just talks and talks and talks and talks. So seeing the Aqua Teens tackle a foe that we ordinary Joes have to fight every day was just classic. The ending was pretty weak, but other than that, it was a great episode. So Dogasu here actually didn't like the ending because it just kind of, you know, ends with, with the cubes getting killed. Although I feel it was fitting. But yeah, again, lots of people liked it. Lots of people actually didn't. So it's a really interesting comment section to read through. I would suggest it if you have the time. So those are just a few of the comments coming out the night that this episode aired. Let me give you my thoughts now, 20 years, almost 20 years after it came out. Like I said at the beginning, my memories of this one were like, oh, it's, it's not that bad. Why does everyone dislike it? And 
watching through it for this podcast on my first watch, I was like, ah, yeah, I kind of get it. But as usual, when I go through it piece by piece and really just take the time to appreciate everything that's happening in the episode, I actually don't mind this one. Is it one of the best? No, of course not. In fact, I really do think that it sticks out as a sore thumb in this back half of season two. This feels more like an earlier season two episode to me. But I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's boring. I don't feel like it's it's a waste of time to watch it. I don't feel upset having to have watched it. And there are some ep- episodes of Aqua Teen going forward that I suspect I will feel that way just because they are not that good. But this one is definitely not of that caliber. It's fun to see the Aqua Teens react like I think it was, you know, Dogus who said react to a problem that we normal people have to deal with. It's fun just to see them deal with this really mundane thing. It's a real slice of life episode despite having some villains here. Nothing really happens. The Most of the episode takes place out on the front lawn. They're just talking to this character that never moves from this one spot on their lawn until the very end. I mean, yeah, just nothing. It's just an annoying character, and and I get why people are turned off by that. Especially the beginning, we played like a one-minute clip straight of just the character being annoying. But all that being said... I don't know. This episode didn't annoy me that much. There's a huge highlight there with Meatwad talking with the dumbass Hedratron. I like seeing Shake just kind of get bored by somebody. To me, that's pretty funny in itself. Frylock with the SM mask is great, but we also get other Frylock moments too. Of course, in this one though, Frylock is kind of playing the dummy that's just falling for the scheme of the villain. The scheme here being that it's not a complete idiot. That I don't buy so much. And I, I really do agree Carl was ill-used. Would have loved to see Carl with the dumbass Ahedatron. But all that being said, I feel like this one, it deserves a 3.5 boiled peanuts out of 5, which, if you've been keeping up with my rankings on these episodes, is tied for last place for this season with Superhero. I do prefer this one to Superhero because it's a little less one note than Superhero was. But again, you know, this is the golden era of Aquatine. It's still a solid episode, I think, just compared to the other ones. Not as strong, and I totally understand that. So I guess that's really all I have to say on this one. It's not a bad time, but this is not the one I'm reaching for when I want to watch season two. But when it comes on, when I see it, it's good. There's moments that'll make you laugh. Solid episode, not one of the best. That's all right. They can't all be the best. So I suppose that is it for me this week. Thank you so much for listening, hanging out, talking teens with me. Special shout out to all the awesome patrons, the Moon Masters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. And you know I'm shouting out the homies, Sean, Ian, Keenan, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, and Carl. You guys can eat my frozen burritos any day of the week. I'll see you next week when we hop into an exciting episode of Aqua Teen that I'm really, really stoked to talk about. Season 2, episode 19, Frat Aliens. Until then, don't get caught up talking to some fucking blabbermouth jabber jaws, alright? Bye-bye. Yeah, this one time I rent me a pressure washer, start this business, meet one pressure washing, but then I was told, you got to have a license. I says, license? <laughs> How am I supposed to be in this country? <laughs> None of that, old man.